So the Bible states very strongly that when you are born again, you have become a new creature in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And what that is saying is that when you were born again, when you encountered for the first time God's love, and when you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and the Holy Spirit came to live in your born-again spirit. And we call that Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is part of this verse, 1 Corinthians, sorry, Colossians 1.27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. The mystery was, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when you got born again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus himself, came to live inside of you. And that is why you have hope that you will go into heaven when you die. But a second thing that took place at the exact same time, not only is Christ, the Holy Spirit, in you but you are in Christ because that's what the verse the original verse said if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation so there's a huge difference between Christ in you and you in Christ okay and so because Christ lives in you and you are living and experiencing him you are in him in his presence in his with his peace, with his power, um, you have become this new creature in Christ. So you've gone from living in the flesh to living by the Spirit. We sang that. Okay, Romans chapter 7. You've gone from living by sight to living by faith. Romans chapter 1. You've gone from living in the natural to living supernaturally. Colossians chapter 1. So you are a new creature in Christ. Christ lives in us, and we live in Christ. The original verse we looked at, 2 Corinthians 5.17, says the old has passed away. Really what that says is the old has, is, and will continue to pass away. We don't have that tense in the English that they have in the Greek. And it says that we've gone... The new has come, which is really saying, and the new has come and will continue to come as long as you live. Okay, so salvation, being born again, means that you have and you are deepening and building a relationship with God and that it's a process of old and new, old disappearing and new appearing. Yeah. Old being removed, new being released. And it's a journey that begins when you are born again, when you repent and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a journey that has no destination. If you think of salvation as, I'm going to heaven when I die, then you have a destination. And yes, we are going to heaven when we die, but then you're living for the destination instead of living for the journey. And so the journey is basically that from the time you get saved to the time you meet Jesus, and then even after that, you are on a journey where you will continue to grow and change. When you get to heaven, there's more growth and more change. Like too many Christians have this thing called destination disease, and they become born again and think they've arrived. 
and they have the assurance of God's love. They have a one-way ticket to heaven. They've got to get out of hell free card. And so they're good to go. And But if you look at their lives, nothing ever changes. And old things remain. And those old things, the longer you're with Jesus, if you don't let them go, they become entrenched. They actually become permanent fixtures in your life. And because the old is a permanent fixture, the new is never embraced or lived out. And you know Christians like that, that they haven't changed in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, because they haven't seen the old passing away, and that therefore has not made any room for any of the new that should be coming. So the Christian faith is never static, and the believer is always changing. So if you see someone who's born again, and you don't see any change happening in them, then you'd have to question whether they are really born again. So there's a process here. You belong to a group of believers, the church. You believe, as you see the way others are living, you come to faith, you get saved, then you become more and more like Jesus. The old goes, the new comes, and then you can help to build the kingdom by getting other people saved. Because your life was transformed, you can help to transform other people's lives. So it's belonging, believing, becoming, and building. That isn't static. That's constant growth and constant change. Sorry, belonging, believing, becoming? Building. Building, thank you. Okay, so being born again is not just coming to personally know God. It's having your past forgiven, having a purpose for living now in the present and having a place in heaven when you die. It's a lot more than an event. So when you're giving a testimony and you give your testimony of when you got saved, I always want to stand up and scream, so has anything happened in the last 30 years since you got saved? Have you changed? Has God spoken to you? What has become different in your life? Because if nothing has happened, if you have not been releasing the past, which is the old, and embracing the new, which is the present, then you're not walking with Jesus. I don't know what you got, but it isn't being born again. The neat thing about all of this is that you have the grace that's given to you that enables you to make all these changes. The grace of God enables you, and it empowers you, because you can't do it on your own. If you've tried changing on your own, you know you can change on your own. You need help, you need guidance, you need direction. And the Holy Spirit is in you and on you to enable you and to empower you to make those changes. To help you to let go of the past, to adjust your behavior, to change your lifestyle, to discover who you really are in Christ. And as you change, and then change again, and again, mm -hmm. and again. He's there to help you to do that. So be really careful that you haven't settled for some destination disease. Because there really is no destination. You never totally arrive. Does that make sense? Yep. You're always growing. You're always changing. That's not the case, regretfully, in most Christians' lives that I know. They ask Jesus into their life, and 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, they're still the same as they were before they got saved, supposedly got saved. 
and there's something missing and there's something wrong with that because change is a daily given when you're following Jesus. So, when you are born again, Jesus becomes your Savior. He saves you from your sins. He loves you unconditionally. He accepts you just as you are, and he forgives you totally. But Savior, regretfully, in the Bible, is connected to lordship, master, owner. And Jesus cannot be Savior without being Lord. So it says in Galatians 3, verse 13, that we have been redeemed. Christ redeemed us. And the word redeemed there is a business term from the marketplace, and it means purchased back from the devil. So Jesus owns us because he purchased us, and he's constantly investing in what he owns. So he's investing in us, and he's expecting a return on his investment. And that return is a life that is being transformed into his image. That's what he's looking for. So he's changing you. If he's really your Lord, he's changing you. He's adjusting your thinking. He's removing whatever's left of the sin and the darkness. He's adjusting your attitude. He's changing your lifestyle. He's upgrading the way you live. And he's adjusting your perspective. He's changing everything there is about you. The old is passing away. Behold, the new is being received and embraced. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So let me suggest then that for that to become a reality is a number of things you need to do. Number one, you need to daily renew his lordship in your life. For the old things to pass away and the new things to be embraced and released, you need to daily renew his lordship in your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul is addressing brothers, so he's addressing Christians. And he says, you need to present your body every day. You are a living sacrifice. And the problem with being a living sacrifice is you can, and you do, crawl off the altar. And he's no longer Lord. And you're no longer a living sacrifice. So we tend to say, yes, Jesus, control my life, be my master, be my, more than my savior. But then we go on living our life our own way. We make decisions without his guidance. And he's not involved in what's happening inside of us. And he's not involved with happening what's, what's happening outside of us in our lives in general. So there's a book that's called The Christian Atheist. And the whole theme of the book is really basic. It's you are born again and you believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead and he's Lord and Savior. But you live like he's not here. So in other words, you believe in a living God, but you live like he doesn't exist. Yeah. You're a Christian atheist. Mm -hmm. And that's our problem. So we need to get back on the altar every day and make Jesus Lord every day. Then second thing we need to do is stop blaming the devil for what has and is happening. 
Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you anything. Stop blaming the devil. There's a phenomenal verse which nobody seems to even know exists. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that everyone who has, sorry, that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. So Christians should not keep on doing the same sin. That's what it's saying. But he who is born of God, that's Jesus, <coughs> protects him, those who are saved, and the evil one does not touch him. So the devil can't make you do anything. The devil can't even come up to you and touch you unless you let him. But if Jesus truly is Lord, then he owns you, he's protecting you, and he won't let the devil touch you. That's what that verse is saying. So stop blaming the devil. He didn't do it. Number three, stop blaming the past. It's the butler. Hmm? The butler did it. Yeah, the butler did it. (laughs) Stop blaming the past. The old has passed away. The past has passed away. The past is passing away as this life we live is a journey. Listen, your past is like an, an onion and it has all these different layers. And so God takes away something and deals with something in your past and you think it's dealt with and it is. But five years later, he's going to take you one step deeper than that and show you what caused that or how that happened. And then he'll take you one step deeper and show you where he was in the midst of that. And so the old has and is and will continue to pass away. And that's what's happening. He's digging the roots out so that you don't have to be shackled to your past. So stop blaming the past. If you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and deal with the things that he's popping up on your your life, and then let go of the past and start living in the present and live for the future... About six weeks ago, I taught you about the chains on your brains. It's the way you think that's causing the problem. And the way you think is keeping you chained to your past instead of letting it go and moving into what God has planned for you. And the reason we say that is because the Bible says, as a person thinks, so they become. That's Proverbs 23. So take the chains off your brains Let go of the past. They can't control you. Your past cannot hurt you. Okay, number four. Stop blaming other people. No one can make you do anything. Stop blaming them. So-and-so makes me mad. No, they don't make you mad. Whatever they did, you choose to be mad at. I eat because my spouse doesn't make me happy. No, you eat because you choose to eat. And your spouse's job has never been to make you happy. Otherwise, we're all screwed. (laughs) (laughs) I drink because... No, you drink because you made the decision to pour the drink down your throat. After you poured it into a glass. Unless you're chugging it from the bottle. So stop blaming other people. Period. Number five. Stop making excuses for yourself. The Bible calls that self-deception. You justify your behavior by making excuses. And the only person you're fooling is... Yourself. And even that isn't working. Because you know it's a joke. Okay, then number six. 
the hardest one, begin the work needed to bring about the necessary changes. The Holy Spirit, who empowers you and enables you, He will direct you. And just begin to respond and do what's needed to be done. And you can't tell me He's not speaking to you, because He is. He speaks to everybody. He wants everybody to grow into the likeness of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit will direct you, and you're going to hear him say things like, take off those things that you know are not godly. Put on the things, the behavior, the attitude, the thoughts that are godly. If you're sitting, waiting for God to do it, he did it. He died on the cross. It's done. It's now up to you to put on, take off. So let's look at those scriptures. Colossians 3. A lot of scripture here near the end. Colossians 3, verses 5 to 10. Listen to how it speaks. Put off, so put to death or take off, another version says. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. In other words, if you covet somebody, you are actually worshiping that, and that, and that's an idol. Okay, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all off. So you have to do something. You have to put off anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off, you have put off, you have put off, you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So this is where you have to do the work. You put off, you put on. You take off, you put on. Okay, well, let's do another one. Keep going. Colossians 3, we skipped a verse, 12 to 17. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on, again, you have to do it, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So take off, put on, take off, put on, take off, put on. We have to do it. God isn't going to do it. So we have the responsibility to act upon those things in our lives. That theme is repeated over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. You put it away, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 
So each of us is responsible for our own lives to act upon these things in our own lives, to take off, to put on, to take off, to put on. Does that make sense? Yes. Here's what I've discovered, and I know I should have known this 20 years ago, but I didn't. I've discovered that those who are judgmental of others, those who are critical of others, are usually the ones who are not changing and who are not moving forward in their Christian journey. Because if they were changing and moving forward, they'd be occupied enough that they wouldn't be bothered by the things and other people that they're critical and judgmental about. It wouldn't matter. So it's our personal responsibility to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and change what needs to be changed. The bad for the good, the good for the better. Recently, God hasn't been dealing with the bad things in my life. I'm hoping there's not very many of them left. But he's been dealing with the good things that he wants to replace with the better things or the best things. Okay? So we need to make a quality decision when we're looking at the things in our lives that we know are wrong, the behavior, the attitude, the words, the the criticism, the judgmentalism, whatever it is in our lives, we just need to make a quality decision and say, Stop it! Just stop it. Period. Stop blaming other people's. Devil didn't make you do it. Be responsible. Just stop it. And I want to show you a video. Turn the light off, please. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, come in. I'm just, just watching my uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, to, um, very is that the part? Yes. Yes, that's me. Uh, Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have tea. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. Uh, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. Wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. Well, tell me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, 
I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, if, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, you're there. Stop it! two simple words and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, 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 we, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop. <laughs> so, I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good girl. Well, it's only been, it's only been three minutes, so that will be, um, uh, three dollars. Uh, I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't, I don't make changes. <laughs> I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> oh, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop oh. it! <laughs> Not of some kind. Don't do, do that. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. No, 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 no. No, we we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't forget. <laughs> Stop it! What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! You, you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it! <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! <laughs> How are you gonna get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! Stop it! You stop it! <sighs> what's, what's the problem? Yeah.
So stop it. Get over whatever it is and stop it. Best advice I've seen. We actually use this to train the counselors in a rehab center in, Fort, in uh, Mount Vernon, Ohio. This is how we train the counselors last time I was there. We showed, we showed them this clip. Because <laughs> that's what they have to tell the drug addicts. Stop it! <laughs> and I think that's what God wants us to know. All we can do is stop it. So my advice, when you're taking off and putting on, so that you stop the stupidity that's going on, is number, whoops, did you lose me? No, there's several more. There it is. Thank you. This is my advice. Stop making excuses for yourself. Which means you're also judging and criticizing others. I'm going to take a, video, a no, picture. picture of it. Okay, number two. Become responsible for where your life is going. It's not somebody else's fault. Take an honest inventory of where things are at. And what I mean by that is where are you at spiritual, spiritually, relationally, personally? Who are you? What are you doing that's destroying you? Stop it. Get over it. Fourth thing is begin to focus on one issue. One issue, whatever it is in your life. Begin to focus on one issue in your life, whatever God shows you. And then number five, do something, change something, and begin to move. Because God can steer a moving car better than a parked one. So start something. Even if it's the wrong way, God can correct it. Get moving. And then take small steps. And every time you do, celebrate the victories that happen. Because you eat an elephant one bite at a time. If you look at the big picture... That is epic. Eat an elephant. If you see a big picture, it will flood you. But if you take one little part of it and take one bite out of that part each time, you will actually succeed. So you got to discard the old and embrace the new. And everything that you need to do that has already been given to you. Everything that you need to do these changes has already been given to you. We'll come back to that screen in a minute. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power had grant, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Everything that pertains to life the way God wants it and godliness in your life is already yours. The new things are already inside of you. You haven't embraced them because you're too busy embracing the old things. The message version 
in that same verse says, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we ever received. The Living Bible, for as you know him better, he will give you, through his great power, everything you need for living a truly good life. He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. So everything we need, we have. We don't embrace it because we're too busy holding on to what we should have put off. And I think Bob Newhart's advice is excellent. Stop it! So you need to be thinking through your own life, taking an inventory, saying, what is it I need to be stopping? I don't care if you have a hundred things on the list or two, but you can only work at one at a time. Yep. And even that may be bigger than you think. So take it one bite at a time. Okay? And if you were looking for those five little points, they're right there. Yeah.